Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Joined in the studio today with Claudio Rodriguez and Nelda Ruiz. They're both community organizers from Tierra y Libertad, and they're involved with a posada coming up on December 16th in celebration and to highlight uh, the La Doce Barrio Foodways project. Tell us more about what you're involved. What is What kind of community organizing do you do? So, yeah, my name is Claudio Rodriguez, and I'm a part of Tierra Libertad organization. We are a grassroots organization that started in 2001, but we like to joke around and say it started in 1492. And what we do is we do a lot of like work on sustainability. We've done a lot of work on migrant rights, youth organizing, health development, economic development, just anything that the neighborhood kind of needs, what our community's needs are. And this year or this past summer, we're actually working on a posada that my compañera Nella is going to talk about. So if you haven't heard of Tierra Libertad, please check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Tierra Libertad organization. We have a little ant logo. And we also have an Instagram that we're trying to keep alive called Barrio underscore sustainability. So please follow, show us some love, share some complaints. Also, if I can just recommend a piece of reading, uh, last fall, we wrote a piece on the history of our work in um, Edible Baja, and the piece is called Barrio Sustainability, which is the realm and the foundation of a lot of our work. We do, um, we do a lot of community transformation through community empowerment. So within that realm, there's a lot, a lot of different themes. And one of the big ones is food and food justice. So um, last year, a couple of community partners, including the, the Food Bank of Southern Arizona, Southwest Folklife Alliance, um, the city of Tucson, and the Community Foundation of Southern Arizona came together. And we just wanted to create an alternative model for doing uh, documentation work in, in ethnography. So um, what we embarked on this year in the beginning of the year was a project on documenting the food traditions that exist inside people's homes along South 12th Avenue. So um, <clears throat> we worked with numerous youth from the community. There were about 20 youth who we trained as ethnographers and we had several workshops on the weekends we get together every saturday and in the first part of the project we literally went every street from 44th to drexel and mapped every green space every native tree every garden every potted plant flowers pretty much anything green that we saw in, in the hood right and it, it was such an eye-opening experience, um, not just for us, but for the youth. You know, we've been known in the community organizing world as the ants because we're always walking around. We're always talking to our neighbors. We're always building relationships. And we're always bringing resources back to those people, you know. So that's why our logo is also the ant. So we this is something that we do you know but the youth had never really gone out and hit the streets like that so every every saturday we'd go and come back we'd have this reflection exercise and 
the things that they were saying week after week kept getting deeper and deeper about how they had never observed and never noticed how beautiful their community really, really was and really is. You know, that a lot of them said that there's so much negative conversation and the narrative is very ugly when people refer to the South Side, especially in the media and when you read comments on the news sites about something going on in the South Side, they're horrible. You know, they're always dehumanizing the us folks who live there and our space, you know, and it was a beautiful way to kind of counteract that mentality and really give them a sense of place and pride in that sense of place. And a lot of them mentioned that they had never noticed that beauty existed like right outside their doors. So that was really, that was really beautiful. Also, the one, the first time we went out, the first time we went out, the youth asked, um, one of the observations was that there was a lot of trash. And if the next time we could go and pick up trash, you know, like that naturally came out of them. And as each week passed, they felt, they felt more ownership of where they were living, you know, so the development was so beautiful, but we also did um, oral history documentation. So we trained them. We had a, a few media trainings and and showed them how to handle a camera, how to speak with people, how to conduct a questionnaire. And basically what we were finding out was we wanted to find out what food traditions existed, if people were growing food, what barriers they were facing. And we did find out a lot of interesting information. You know, a lot of people... Um, don't grow in the south i mean they grow but they don't grow in a large scale like in a community garden basically a lot of folks grow in pots and there's a lot of chiles a lot of tomatoes a lot of citrus trees that were grown yeah and i also feel like like just that conversation of what's being grown in the in the backyards and neighborhoods also like it was also like an intergenerational piece because when we asked the older folks they busted out with stories of like my my mom used to grow all this food back here so so gardens is, isn't nothing new for our community it's just something that we've been disconnected and i feel like that's something that the youth had brought up like oh like i want to learn more like i want to learn how to make my my community more greener like how come there isn't any spaces like this to hang out because when they did walk it was it was also middle of the summer so like they noticed you know like this is what a heat island effect looks like you know, so what would make this better? And it was just like answers from them. Oh, we need more trees. We need a place where we can fill up our water bottles, you know, and and it was just really great. You know how how they were able to make that discovery on their own because they live there. They know what they want. They know what they need. And then the whole conversation of them suggesting to pick up like trash was a solution that they brought up on their own because they saw the problem and they saw no one was was filling that niche and they decided to step up which is something that that we also teach is no one's going to come to save you everyone's going to write this narrative narrative about your community so the thing is like you got to learn how to like save yourself how to make your community resilient and and thrive because at the end of the day like it's yours you know also how how the youth can control their narrative was also really important as we were conducting questionnaires to numerous community members and then we embarked on the oral history documentation and the intention of those stories were they're going to be digitally archived on a website um, for the community to see 
And also we worked on a documentary that we're going to be screening at the day of the Posada next week. So that was really exciting, especially for the youth to hear the stories of the older folks and how how different life used to be as far as food and what was accessible and what people ate and what people were growing. So for example, a lot of the older folks who now live on the South Side were formally displaced because they lived here in El Hoyo, Barrio Viejo, before the convention center. So they were displaced further south, but while they were here downtown, they were growing. The land was very fertile and rich. Before the Mexicanos were here, it was the Chinese community who really worked the land. And the land was super, super fertile, and then they were moved, displaced further south, And in the south, we have a lot of caliche, and the soil is not as mineral-rich or fertile. So the growing and those traditions slowly stop being a staple no, in, in, in people's homes. So the younger generation has kind of forgotten that those traditions existed. So reconnecting them with those practices and the value of, of what it's like to grow your own tomatoes and then harvesting them and, and eating them, you know, and the beauty that exists in that. We did have one family, though, that that they actually had, they had livestock and and they processed, like, their own goats, their own chickens. So it was really great to have, like, that, that richness added to it from, from their experience and their point of view of what food ways means because um, I think part of it was brought up that people always classify Mexican food as, like, greasy and cheesy and, like, not healthy but like a lot of our cuisine is like really healthy i feel like just it's just been these past past few hundred years you know where, where the cheese was introduced where bread was introduced and like grease was used but before that it was it was a lot of traditional cooking that was actually really healthy for us so also bringing that piece to it too right so right now tucson has the the city of gastronomy regs um was it recognition so mm-hmm. A part of it is like, well, what does that mean for our people? You know, like, and I think that's how this project came about because we talked about like, well, to our people doesn't really mean much because we don't even know that it exists or what it, what is it, does it really mean? So through this, we were able to, to show a different side of what our food ways and our food traditions look like, you know, in each home because each home is very different. Each home um, holds something very sacred and all of them will tell you that that all the food that they make was like passed down the recipe was passed down and the most important ingredient was love so so that's what that's what makes it makes it delicious and you know my mouth is salivating just thinking of all the food <laughs> that we were able to to taste and partake of you're listening to 30 minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson our guests today are Claudio Rodriguez and Nada Ruiz they're both community organizers with the Tierra y Libertad organization, and they're also involved with the Doce Barrio Foodways project. One of the things that we noticed while we were interviewing our families was that a lot of them mentioned that doing something in food has always been a dream of them, so a dream, a dream of theirs, but they just lack the capital or the understanding or the knowing of how to apply for a license or or a permit. So something that we decided to do to support that was kind of incubate 
this entrepreneurial spirit that's going on and that's how the posada came to be just before we go on what is a posada i know they're traditionally held at this time so a posada is a cultural celebration where we come together and there's there's really religious connotation to it but really um what it means to most folks is a celebration with food and coming together and celebrating our families. Um, and it, they're very, very, they're a staple in Mexican culture. And as years have passed by, um, it's just a time before Christmas to come together and share food and share time together. So we really wanted to build on that. And there's a saying in our culture that says um, in New Year's, it's like prospero año, like have a prosperous new year. So these four families wanted to embark or they've always had a dream of embarking in, in something in the food business. But it was such a dream that was so unattainable, you know, that did never seem like to be a reality. So we decided to support these four families and incubate their their business ideas. So that's how the Posada celebration came to be. And uh, four families are going to be cooking four different foods, um, tra their traditional foods. And it's going to be shared with the community with the intention that the folks who try their food are going to want them to support them in the coming year in whatever that support looks like, you know. So um, there's going to be tortas ahogadas, which are like a, a shredded beef sandwich drowned literally in like a chile tomato sauce. And then there's going to be tacos dorados with shredded beef and a beef broth. There's going to be gorditas that are stuffed with yumminess. <laughs> and then there's going to be mole um, from Oaxaca and with chicken. And there's also going to be vegetarian options in each of the each of the stands. So that way everybody can partake and it's going to be a free event. So we hope all the community from all sorts of different parts of Tucson comes and celebrates our rich cultural history, you know, and giving value back and worth back to these practices that exist in our home you know and that's also what's been so beautiful about this project is that we're letting these families know that what goes on here in your kitchen is a sacred tradition and it's very powerful and it's beautiful and and we need to hold on to that you know and that it's valuable it's not just like oh yeah I'm cooking in my kitchen you know but I'm cooking in my kitchen I'm feeding my family I'm making them feel good I'm I'm nurturing them. There's so many layers to that, you know, and something that was said a lot in our interviews was that food, it connects us to our land where we come from. A lot of us are no longer in our ancestral lands, you know, so those food traditions are something that connects us to to our home. And they're like a, another limb of our body. You know, it's it's food defines who we are in so many different ways and those traditions and how do we prepare how we how we cook how we grow how we eat and it's that's really valuable and that's the different face that we want to show on the gastronomy the city of gastronomy designation is this is the community's face you know this is this is the cuisines and the culinary practices that exist in our home that define who we are
For people who want to come to the Posada, how do they find it? It's going to be next Saturday at St. John's Park on 12th and Ajo from 4 to 8 p.m. We're going to be screening the documentary that we worked on this summer at 6. And then there's going to be a band playing from 7 to 8. So we're going to have food, music, dancing, and just building community and getting to know one another. They can find it on our Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash Tierra, T-I-E-R-R-A-E, that's a Y, Libertad, L-I-B-E-R-T-A-D. So we have our event page there, and then we also have a trailer for the documentary that folks can also find on our Facebook page. You can find La Posada on just a little bit north of Ajo. The major intersections are Ajo and 12th Avenue. It's going to be held at St. John's Park, behind the church, north of Ajo, on December 16th, from 4 to 8 p.m. We hope to see you there, and please support our families, our project, and the community. One of the programs that we've been working on for the last 15 years is our alternative summer school that's called Freedom Summer. And it's about an six to eight week program with youth from the South Side. And we teach them an array of different topics um, in health and political education and civic engagement, gardening. We take field trips. We also do a lot of community organizing workshops, you know, as Nella said, you know, like health education, nutrition. Um, we take we take the youth out to to many different organizations. So if they don't like to garden or like to community organize, they can always join our our comrades doing other work um, all over Tucson. And we link them up with people from I want to say from all over the world because we also have visitors who have come up from like South America, Mexico to come check out some of the work that we've done that we do. And this next Freedom Summer, Freedom Summer 2018. Um, we're actually going to try to go to New Mexico. So um, as you can tell, trips with about 10 kids can get quite expensive, but we're very grassroots, so we're always sleeping on people's floors. But if you do want to sponsor this, we're going to have a GoFundMe pop-off towards the end of February, early March, so you can sponsor the youth. Um, because we are grassroots, um, no one in Tierra Libertad is paid staff. We are all volunteer um, but I guess in sense of a volunteering, it's more of a duty that we have towards our community. So if you want to sponsor the youth um, to take these trips, to be in these classes, um, please, please, please stay in touch. Um, also, I think it's a, an alternative to summer school, but also an alternative to, to work. You know, would you rather have uh, a young brown person you know, working at McDonald's, or would you have them being trained up to be a community organizer so they can make the world a better and safer and sustainable place? I guess the choice is yours, so put your money where your mouth is, and please keep it in touch. No? Uh, what else does Tierra y Libertad do? How many people, would you say, are involved in the group? So Tierra y Libertad, we are about, I want to say, eight members, eight core members who help kind of organize and just get together to do like programming work. Um, we do, we partner with many different organizations all across Arizona and the border region. We've done a lot of work with like 
the Sierra Club, you know, our partners at Hechos Humanos, our homies Flowers and Bullets, also a lot of food waste project with, with would you say, like Toca and the Locas Tianguis that's happening. So some of the other work that Tierra Libertad has embarked on has been, you know, migrant rights campaigns. We are trying to work towards a municipal ID with some of our partners who do a lot of migrant work here on the south side. Um, um, just because it's it's safer for the community, you know, just it's just if everyone there's if there's a municipal ID, you know, you can get access to to libraries, you know, to to just any any building um, because that that's that's a resource that's lacking not only for for migrant folks but for also for home free people and also for for underage youth who don't have access to to an id so that's one of the things that that's happening now um other things that that we're going to be working on too is is we do a lot of water harvesting work at, at each other's homes we do gardening work um we also try to have movie nights where we screen movies just within the families um to conscious movies you know that are relevant to to societal structures right now and kind of like the political climate that exists and sometimes you f won't find a lot of our events posted up and the reason for that and people always ask like why don't you share these events it's because if we share a lot of these events then our communities kind of get pushed out and they won't be able to partake of our trainings and stuff so that's that's kind of what we, we kind of keep them close to the neighborhood because the, the trainings are for them you know and people always ask, like, how can how can we support Tiwalo? Well, as I mentioned before, you know, you can sponsor sponsor the youth, so we can go out on trips and do a lot of these cool projects. Um, but we also suggest for you to start your own collective in your own neighborhood. You know, like, see what what problems are are you facing, and how can you how can you work on them? Is there a neighborhood association in your neighborhood? If there isn't, find how to start one. You know, learn about like the who your who your representatives are for your wards, you know, for, for the county. Obviously, we're all Pima County, but, you know, like, try to get a little bit more involved and also get to know your neighbors. I think that's that's one of the biggest takeaways that, that I've learned in this work is just the more people you know, the better because everybody brings, some, brings something to the table, just like, like ants do. Their main goal is to bring back food, and our main goal is to bring back resources to our neighborhoods so, so we can create a better, a safe, healthy, and sustainable community. And that's that's one of our goals, you know, so so that's that's some of the things that we do. Um, aside from that, uh, we'd like to start a podcast, but, you know, we're not funny enough yet. <laughs> you know, especially in this political climate, as you were saying, Claudio, like it's so important to come together and create an alternative model, you know, create an alternative vision of of what life looks like, especially how respect and taking care of each other looks like and being there for one another and and that's what community organizing is you know it's building relationships and listening to folks and that's really what our work is is just talking to people hearing what people have to say what's going on what people need and then we just find ways to connect them to that you know and and that's really that's the seed, you know, that's the seed of our work. And it's spiraled and grown in so many different ways throughout the 16 years of, of TYLO. The members that first started TYLO have spiraled off onto doing amazing, beautiful things, not just here in Tucson, but all over the country. You know, there's folks in the Bay, in San Diego, um, here, 
Borderlands. Borderlands in back east. You know, they're they're everywhere. And that's exactly the intention that we wanted with TYLO is we wanted to plant the seed and for it to grow in different ways and for it to be a replicable model in different communities, not just here in the South Side, but elsewhere. So it's beautiful to see all this type of food justice work and migrant rights work going on in, in different spaces around town. But we're just trying to build a resilient community and let folks know that, you know, we're in this for the long run to protect to protect one another, really. Part of our what we what we gauge as like success, like how do we know like what we do works? Like how do we know Freedom Summer works? How do we know TYLO works? How do we know like the trainings that we do work? Is if you look at look at our members, you know, like we all come from from very different but very similar backgrounds of growing up in poverty, you know, like just growing up in in systematic oppressions, you know, and through this work we were able to heal ourselves, train ourselves to be where we're at today, you know, and uh, I feel like that's what that's how we know this is successful because we've helped people create beautiful beautiful lives that are healthy that are that are full of wellness but then also those same members who went through our program are training more youth to to step up into the realm and and to do this type of work of community organizing of community resiliency because um one thing that we like to say like everybody always asks like how do you survive in the hood well we've survived for hundreds and hundreds of years you know like um, but we're tired of surviving. We want to thrive. And I feel like that's where the work of barrio sustainability kind of like pushes us towards, you know, like and sustainability is not just like in green infrastructure or just like planting things or harvesting water. But it's it's like getting to know your neighbors, definitely, but also like getting to know like what resources can you get and and going back to traditional cooking. Um, and I feel like that's what that's what our sustainability means, you know, like. How can we, how can we stay healthy, but yet, in terms of respecting like our own culture, where we come from, um, because one thing, one thing is like sustainability looks different in many different communities, and our community looks way different. For an example, too, like we don't put in, we don't put in culvert systems of, of the cisterns, those silver cans. We don't put them in because people didn't like them. They said that they looked weird. They looked like a can of beans. So what we do is we bring tinacos over. Um, that that people use in Mexico, and we bring them here and we put them in, and all of a sudden people like they know what it is, they recognize it, they know that's for water, you know. So so like it's just making things culturally relevant, and then on top of that, painting you know like like water symbols from our ancestors on these tanks because that's that's what they're holding, you know, they're holding sacred water. So that's that's part of how we know it's successful, you know, because it's relatable to the community. And all our members, you know, that have gone through this have gone on to to become better and to make other people better, to train more students, more youth. Um, because like Nelda said, you know, this is work that has to spiral on and it has to grow. Like the work that we do isn't ours. It was just passed down to us. And now we're looking for more people to pass it on to so they can create their own little spirals in their own communities. Um, and I guess we do it because... It's it's what we love, you know, like like how you asked Amanda, like what gives us hope? Our hope is just like our people, you know, like when when people are in trouble, people come out to help. And that's what gives us hope is that if more people just helped each other, 
then we can survive any catastrophe because we'll be prepared. You know, people will know how to grow food, how to store water, how to store food, how to cook food without electricity. We got a homie who does crazy inventions on solar ovens, solar dehydrators with like the least amount of resources you can find. So hopefully that's something that we're going to be definitely incorporating into our Freedom Summer project on how to be more resilient in terms of of climate, the climate injustice that our communities face because um, communities of color and low-income communities are the ones that are hit first. So we're trying to trying to stay ahead of that curve, you know. So so stay tuned and uh, please follow us on Facebook or Instagram and so you can sponsor some of our youth and just support our work. But the biggest way you can support is by starting your own collective and your own crew in your neighborhood with your friends. Just want to say a thank you to KXCI for inviting us over to talk about the projects that we do. Thank you for inviting us, Amanda. My pleasure. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much. See you on the 16th. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guests today were Claudio Rodriguez and Anada Ruiz. They're community organizers for Tierra y Libertad. You can find out more about their work on their Facebook page, their long-term plans, as well as the upcoming Posada on La Dose Barrio Foodways project uh, taking place on December 16th from 4 to 8 at St. John's Church on the corner of Ajo and 12th.